Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Look oh. happy in there, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Writer's House on Ringer FC. Hope you're all safe and well. Today we're going to talk about the late, great Jimmy Greaves, um, who sadly passed away at the weekend. We're also going to talk about the new segment that we've just got on our show on Writer's House and uh, the North London Derby and a little bit about the Michael Schumacher documentary. And my guests today are Mr. Mayowa. Mayowa, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, Mr. Quaj. And uh, Ryan Hunt. How are you doing, bro? Hello. Right, he's on road. I'm on the road, bro. <laughs> I'm on the road. I heard you're in the motherland again. I'm, yeah, I mean, everything happens. Everything stems from Manchester. Yeah, man. Where Rolls will make Royce, man. That's <laughs> but yeah, I'm up here, man. I'm doing, I'm doing the, the show. Doing the show for ITV. Oh, yeah. The, um, the game show. Yeah, the game show, bro. It's quite nerve-wracking, if I'm going to be totally honest. I was going to um, say, what's, what's that like? Because, I mean, you've done so many yeah. things, right? But Boy. this is... You know, this is, I guess, another, another thing that you've done. Well, well it's really weird because I'd I, I done it in the 90s, didn't I? I'd done it, especially towards the, towards the end of the 90s and early, t- and 2000, all the way up to about eights or nines. I was doing light entertainment. And what I, what happened when I started, obviously, I was, it was brilliant because I was doing, I was interviewing like stars, man, you know, Cheryl Crow and, Denzel Washington and Elton John, Will Smith. You're doing big, big stars and it was exciting. So every day you wake up, you know, um, my God, I'm going to be doing, I'm doing Will Smith today. I remember one time the recordings would start at, like, would start at seven o'clock and then all of a sudden we're at ITV getting all the stuff ready. And he wasn't a diva. I think he just had to do something. I just thought, Will Smith just walked and said, you know something, why can't we just do this now? And it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> So everybody, so we got a call at ITV. Listen, Will Smith wants to do it now. Um, and him and his people are literally, they're going to be coming here. They had to send emails for the whole of this, um, to the whole of the, uh, the building. Anybody who wants to see Will Smith, can you report to the, to bam, downstairs, the studio in such and such, at such and such. And so it was like, it was brilliant. Oh so yeah, because the audience wouldn't have been there in time. No, no. Oh so, my word. Can you imagine? <laughs> And the thing is, remember that happened at like three. So we got there, I don't know, four o'clock, it's quarter past four. So we had to, and we had to do it when he's ready. So it was one of the things that I'd done. What I always look back on as, well, I dealt with that. So I probably can do anything. Didn't kind of have my notes properly ready. It was just like getting them into my head. And then all of a sudden he was there. It was a pretty good interview in the end. But I remember um, the people at night um, who came and I was like, Where's fucking Will Smith, man? (laughs) (laughs) They're saying, where's Will Smith, bro? And then so what we had to do, we said, no, we're going to do Will Smith, but we'll show you the interview. They say, no, man, we wanted to see Will Smith, man. And then we had to explain to them, listen, Will Smith gave us a call at like three o'clock saying he has to record now or he he probably won't be able to do it. You don't don't say to Will Smith, well, okay, Will, see you later. 
was going to say, that world of like TV is so different. Though. It's yeah. very different from football. I it's remember very when, different. Um, There's a different pressure. Yeah, I was walking on South Bank once and then randomly I got like tapped on my shoulder by a lady just around, around the, the studios and it was like, mm. listen, we've had a really big problem. We have a bus of audience coming from Swindon and there's been an accident on the motorway and we need a live audience. Can mm. you come in? And I was yeah. like, um, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know what show is it. And it's like, it's so interesting, the dynamic of, you know, because yeah. it's not live, but the elements of how they the feeling, how mm. they make it work, you would never not know that it ha- didn't happen in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, I, I, and the thing is, is that there's certain things that happened in that show, and certain things that happened when I went went to work for the BBC, doing quiz and game shows. It's a different kind of fear of making sure, like the auto cue you get right, making sure that you hit your, like for instance, you're explaining the game, it has to be perfect, and like the nerves that I get is because it's going to be a, a prime time show on ITV. Um, you know, you just want it to be good, and you know, you do it yesterday. And the amount of monies that can be won. When I was younger, I always loved these shows, watching Bob Monkhouse and all the stuff I used to watch. And I loved seeing people winning stuff. Obviously, people winning speedboats when they live in a council flat wasn't <laughs> ideal. Or look what you could have won. You know what I mean? It's a caravan. Where'd you put it? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But um, I always loved the fact that, that like, people who I could look at like myself off estate was winning stuff. Mm. It's winning stuff. It's like anybody who, my mum used to go to the bingo. So anybody who won at the bingo, we'd know what family won and you could see that they've done. It was really quite nice. But I just want to make sure that I'm, because I haven't done it for a while, that I'm come back as me. It's, I'm not in, in the 90s anymore or early 2000s. I'm a different, I'm a different Ian with a, a more mature so-called personality in respect of what I'm doing. And I'm doing a show where I get to, I get to, um, really be with them like you know yeah. what I, mean? I get to be right there You're amongst with them. it yeah yeah i'm right amongst it with them i'm in it with them I'm in the game with them and then bam it can be it's a very ruthless fucking game you can win a you could win a fortune in a very short space of time and you can lose a fortune so it was you know we done a rehearsal and somebody they started they was on they had, they had, they had a pound i'm not going to go too long they had a pound for for in in the game as well you got to understand for the, for the two rounds, it's very difficult to only have a pound, you know, in, in two rounds. And then all of a sudden he rolled, he got 30 grand and he rolled, he got 20 grand. So he went up in the bed. In the end, in the rehearsals, a guy won 50,000 and a pound. Whoa. Did he bid on Suarez? I was about to say, <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, but this is how, how quickly it just, how quickly, right, it goes from, oh my God, this isn't going to happen for me. I've only got pound for like nearly 15 minutes of trying to play and stay in the game, using the clue ball, trying to stay in the game, play on, don't play on. You know what I mean? And then end up with 50,000 and a pound and... It's that kind of excitement what I'm probably going to thrive on. But other than yeah. that, I, I'm getting very nervous about it. I think I'm, I don't, I can't remember too many black people being primetime ITV, you know. So again, you're a visual representation, which people will say, well, what's that got to do with anything? It matters, man. It means a lot. I man. know. It's, people don't realize how, how all of a sudden you're on there. Because you've got to understand as well, people see how I am now and how I am and how I've been and what I come on social media. And I'm a very real guy. So all of a sudden, they're going to see me on primetime ITV, are they going to see a, um, a, a, a kind of like a, a, a version of, hey, that's the, that's the acceptable, Ian. Right? That's the, <laughs> of course that, I'm not it's gonna... like when fucking Redman rocked up on Christina Aguilera. <laughs> exactly. Like, mm, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. 
It's like, oh no, yeah, it's man. fine. Yeah, man. It's fine. What an example. <laughs> yeah, Red Man. <laughs> Red Man. I quite like Red Man on Christian Aragler. I love that yeah, too. It's just like, hang on a minute. I just saw Red Man's cribs where they go in the basement. His cousin's on a mattress. And now he's on a Christian Aguilera tune. He's like, yeah, this is my hood crib. It's my hood crib, bro. You have to, hey, you have to know where you're coming from. Hey, you go down man. to the, you have to you know. Never like, forget as well. <laughs> never <laughs> forget. Best cribs. <laughs> so that's where it is. So that's that's what we're doing, and it's it's quite exciting. So I'm going to be doing that for a, for a couple of weeks, and then um, and then I'm back to football. We've got to talk about a great Jimmy Greaves, um, and you know it's funny we mentioned Jimmy Greaves, and this might be the perfect time, right, to to mention the wall of fame I want to put in the house. Yeah. You like what I was thinking there? You like what I'm doing yeah. there? The Wall of Fame. That. And if I'm going to be totally honest, there could not be a better recipient of, the, of being the first person on that wall than Jimmy Greaves. Yeah, so we were talking about it, weren't we? About how yes. like, sometimes we, because we did the Gerd Muller thing and it was really good. And we were Again, thinking about having like a, uh, almost like keeping a track of those people, we, that, we those greats that we talk about. Yes. And then when we do the, when we do the live stuff, we can have, uh, yeah, we'll fame. actually bring the whole wall of fame with us. Yeah. So basically, this will be a semi semi regular bit on the show. Yeah. Where we mm-hmm. talk about old greats, um, and basically bring them into the righty's house wall of fame. Wall of fame. Can, can I just say because I when it happened, if I'm going to be totally honest, like I posted on my um on my Instagram and and, and on Twitter, Jimmy Greaves was the first footballer's name I ever heard when I started playing football in the playground with Mr. Pigden, Mr. Pigden, he adored Jimmy Greaves. You know, it was hard to like at the time to see his stuff, Jimmy Greaves, because what would I have been seven? So I was like, it's 1970. Um, and I, I remember when I used to, like I said, the, the reason why I mentioned Jimmy Greaves, Jimmy Greaves is so integral to everything what I do um, is I used to get close to the goalkeeper when I was, you know, I was younger, like that six and sevens and seven. And I'd literally blast it. It's not, I'm not even looking where he is. Mm. I'd literally trying to make a hole in this poor little kid. And, you know, I remember my teacher used to always stop me and say, Ian, no, you know, you pass the ball internet. Look where the space is in. Jimmy Greaves. Jimmy Greaves. Jimmy sometimes Greaves. it's, yeah, it's, it doesn't even hit the net. Always hits the side net. He doesn't blast it. Never blast it. And when you watch Jimmy Greaves' goals, it, Mayawa, it's always, just, you know, when like, it's like an artist is finished and he's going to put a little dot on it. He just sprinkles the class on it. He's just like, je ne sais quoi to it. Just... Exactly, man. Putting the salt on, on his finishes. You don't, see, I can't remember seeing too many of Jimmy Greaves' goals where he is really slashed at that ball. You know who reminds me, you know who reminded me of Jimmy Greaves? In respects of somebody who just does not blast the ball. Butchagueno. Oh, that's not a bad shout. There's a really interesting thing when you watch footage from around that time, so like early 60s to like mm. maybe mid 70s, the amount of goals that you actually see where players who are striking it have both feet off the ground mm. because they go through it. They really smash yeah. it, yeah. And um, I Jeff Hurst was one of those, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, And like Bobby Charlton's goal in the World Cup, Bobby which Charlton, really yeah. set England going, for example. Mm. There's a thing about Greaves where he was one of those kind of like victims, I think, of missing a certain era by a, by a, a tiny, tiny bit. I think, for example, if he'd been in the 70s, played exactly the same way, mm. I think he would be even more beloved on a It'd bigger be scale. Because It'd people be who know, like, I mean, for those who aren't aware of Jimmy Greaves, he's the all-time top flight goal scorer in England. English, yeah. Isn't he third in 
European leagues behind the major two top five yeah, European leagues. Yeah, yeah. What's he got? yeah. It's crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, fourth on the England list? Yeah. It's fourth, yeah, yeah. but he's, he's, he's record insane. goals to games. Goals it's, to games. It's insane. I think it was it's 115 insane. minutes per England goal, which is just completely wild. And I think the, the, the thing you were saying before about the way he finishes, there are a number of goals that he scored. That actually, if you look at his playing style, I think for people who haven't seen Jimmy Greaves play, and obviously this is going to, some people are going to be like, whatever. But actually in terms mm. of playing style, you look at the way he, he like kind of glides across the turf, it the, was the close exactly control, that. and the it's kind exactly of positioning that. on the pitch and the way he finishes. Mm-hmm. It's actually very messy-like in Seriously. terms of style. Stand up, yeah. A lot of people yeah. have, have mentioned that, because obviously I'm, I'm quite, so I would have never seen or no, anything. No, but same, what, yeah. what, what made it resonate for me is when I saw Wrighty's post, it was just a moment that it clicked because ultimately if you go through generations of people and what their first reference to football was, it's always someone iconic mm. and loads of people like Wright were saying, this was my first reference to football. Mm. And it just puts into perspective how big and colossal this guy was. And it just makes it re- it just makes you, you realize that, okay, he must've been an unbelievable mm. player because if you, from then to about now, there's probably only maybe 10 names that are the first reference to football. It's your mm-hmm. messies. It's people like that. And he's in that conversation for a lot of people. Just yes. shows you how important he was. But when I was thinking about it, we, you know, we spoke about your broadcasting, right? And I guess for you, you must have this deeper connection with him because when you were playing football when you started, it was, you know, you need to be like him. Mm. Post his career, he did broadcasting as well, didn't he? He yes, did a he lot, did, he did yeah, a lot of it. So yeah. for you, it must have, like, that connection to him goes beyond football in a certain way. I remember when he, um, I remember, I think he, the St. Angrisi was on when I was, I, f- I probably scored a really, really good goal. I'm not sure if it was against, if it was for Palace, but I remember Jimmy, I remember Jimmy Greaves saying, what a great finisher. Fucking hell, bro. It was like, the, um, you know, like even thinking about it now, it makes me really kind of like, that, those kind of like shivers. Jimmy Greaves said that I was a great finisher because then it brings it all back to the first name I ever heard. And he used to say it a lot because Ian St. John would say it as well. And then as, as he went on and then obviously with what happened to, to him at the World Cup and he didn't get, to, didn't get to play in the final and he just got fit just in time. And, you know, I mean, he was vexed for literally that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of people won't even know about this story. So for no. those who don't, basically he, he got hepatitis the season before and it yeah. really knocked him out for a while. And actually, mm. I remember when, when, the first time you and I met, right, when we did mm. that chat with Musa, we spoke to Gary Lineker the day before and yeah. he, was, he had went through the same thing at Barcelona. And um, he was really struggling for fitness. It took him out, I think, until January. Um, right. But he got back fit, fit. He played all the warm-up games leading into the World Cup, I think. Sco- was yeah. scoring goals, was fine, and mm. got a really innocuous like clip on the shin in a game against... I can't remember who it was. Was it the quarterfinal? Or was it the game it, before? Yeah, yeah, because he played, didn't he? Ended up that he needed stitches. And this was the last World Cup before substitutes were introduced. So basically, if substitutes had been in at this time, he would have mm. come on in the final. Right. As it um, panned out, he, he wasn't going to be fully, fully fit, I don't think, for the final, and therefore he didn't play. You, you look at Jeff Hurst, right? Jeff Hurst scoring a hat-trick um, in the final. And you can imagine, like Jimmy Greaves, and we saw what Jimmy Greaves was like. He's very, he literally says what he's, he says mm-hmm. it, bro. He's off, he's straight off the cuff and straight, his, his heart's on his sleeve. You can imagine his life thinking about like Jeff Hurst has kind of stolen his hat trick. 
Because if we're talking about um, a goal scorer who who could have would have scored a goal in a, a, a hat trick, sorry, in a final. If we're talking about a goal scorer who would have scored a hat trick in a World Cup final, Jimmy Greaves is probably going to be the one. Um, so I can't imagine what it'd be like for Jimmy Greaves all those years, seeing the amount of accolades and all the love and everything what Jeff Hurst got um, in respects of a footballer and really. What Jimmy Greaves done up until that point? Remember, he went to Juventus. He done everything. You know, he, he played, went to Italy for what was it like a hundred thousand pounds back then? Mm-hmm. That's a shitload of money back then. Ridiculous monies. Obviously, he came back. He didn't settle. Came back to Spurs. But I can't imagine how it must have been for him all those years having to stomach that. Yeah, I mean, the, the AC Milan thing was actually it was eighty million. Uh, sorry, eighty million, eighty thousand. And he was given a contract which was an, an a fi- of 140 pound a week and a 15 grand signing bonus, which was at the time like it's just it's really interesting because it was the time where like it was a really bad timing because it was kind of like it's actually something we're going to talk about later as like a real cruel timing of like like when Senna went to Williams for example yeah and like mm. the money that he got given and he said that he went he went to to Milan for the money it was just just after he agreed the fee the PFA. Uh, sorted out the 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 deal to kind of increase player wages, right? So he could have stayed at Chelsea. Could have stayed at Chelsea, yeah. And if you think at that Chelsea, he only did four seasons at Chelsea, right? Um, and he's the seventh highest goal scorer in Chelsea's history. Yeah, monstrous. Uh, one hundred sixty nine games, one hundred thirty two goals. Ridiculous. And then went to Milan and was scoring goals still. Even at that time in Italy. He just missed it. He just missed England. There was a couple of things. Like I remember him like watching the um the documentary about him and he was saying that when he left Spurs, like if he could go back in time, that would probably be the one day he could have over again because he probably would never have left Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um the way he kind of got got turfed out of there, just basically being like, You're not needed anymore. We want yeah. you to go to West Ham. It just felt like there were a load of cruel slightly cruel things that happened throughout his career that I think probably, you know, he, he, it's quite publicised that he went into alcoholism afterwards yeah. and he was quite a heavy drinker and he w- really went through some stuff. And I think yeah, but, there are yeah, certain but, players at this time yeah. where they have like, because, because players, that's why Moose and I are always kind of like so sympathetic to players making certain moves now because you have no idea how your career is going to go. Yeah. It, could, it could end tomorrow. And players are in the position now where they can set themselves up for life. You know, it's a really short career football. You know, you know the, the thing is, right, when you think of the, 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 the alcoholism and everything that he went through, I haven't got that addictive personality, but I can totally understand when you look at everything what was happening to Jimmy Greaves and how it happened and what was going on. You think to yourself, I could see, because can you imagine when he's sitting down in his time of thinking, his time of leisure, just thinking about the World Cup? Mm. And not being that guy and having to continually see that guy. And I'm not saying it in a bitter and twisted way, but I'm saying you can totally understand that if he, he probably would have needed help or someone to talk mm. to. Or it's the reality, something. right? You know it? what I mean, Maya? It's the reality of it. And like, we'll probably t- touch on it in, in a bit, but um, going on for what you said, right, about it's a short career. It's a short career, but you almost dedicate your whole life towards yeah. it. Like yeah. people think that the career starts when you sign that professional contract, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is you've been gearing up this moment your whole life mm-hmm. and you give everything for it. You sacrifice friends, family, relationships, yeah. 
and you go out there to try and be the best. And when you genuinely believe that you have the capabilities to do stuff, but as it is with football, someone else is telling you, mm. I don't think you can do that or making a decision based on your livelihood, that can affect you, man. Especially does, yeah. back then when you don't have, you know, the level of player care and the infrastructure that we have yeah. today. Or financial backing. Yeah, or the financial yeah. backing. It's tough. I, I remember uh, my generation, I think, kind of, first learn about Greavesy through St. and Greavesy, the TV show. Yeah, yes. And then I remember my granddad, we were watching St. and Greavesy and he just went, hell of a player, that Greavesy. And I, and I just said to him, what, he used to be a footballer? Mm. I think I was like, I don't know, six or something like that. Yeah. And he said, oh yeah, he used to be a footballer. Nah, yeah. And, uh, and you saw him say the great Jimmy Greaves. And it was the thing mm. that if you, if you watch the documentaries or you hear old players talk about him, it's, Very few yeah. players don't refer to him as the great Jimmy Greaves. I remember Glenn Odell. Glenn Odell speaking about him, honestly. And remember, we're talking about Glenn Odell, vision, um, unbelievable mm. ability. He said when he was a kid, he used to go and watch Jimmy Greaves indoors at, at um, Tottenham, when they used to do the training indoors at Tottenham. And he said he used to be up on the top there watching him. And he said the one thing he saw for a striker, the one thing he saw and he said, right, I'm going to do that is he just kept looking around, at, mm-hmm. uh, just kept looking around. He said, it's, he done it so often. It's the one thing that I saw with him all the time. And he said, when I started playing, when I went back to playing, he said, all I done was look around. And I, he said, I could not believe how much that changed my game. Glenn Odell watching Jimmy Greaves, just continually looking around what's coming, bam. Just, you know what I mean? I, I just, I said to him, Gafford, and, and so what, where was he playing? He said, he was, he was up front. But he's constantly looking around what was going on. And I thought to myself, I'm going to do that. And you know what I mean? It was just like, I thought, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. To see, and plus to be able to see him live, mm. to see him live, you know, it is the great Jimmy. Some of the comments, mm. some of the comments that I've got back from it is just like, and sometimes it's quite sad that somebody like Greavesy is getting love. Um, it will get love and rightly so right now, but during that time, you know, if he didn't come back and do the Saint and Greavesy, mm. it's one of those like, look what happened to our great, one of our greatest captain, Bobby Moore. They just leave you. They just, yeah. they just leave you. You just like fall away. I think for anyone who's listening who hasn't, who doesn't know what kind of player Jimmy Greaves was, I'd go and, I'd, I'd go and watch the Greavesy documentary. I think it's a really yeah. good watch. And I'd also yeah. just go and watch as many of his goals as possible because the thing that I, I mentioned earlier about like the comparison comparison to Messi is definitely in a is more of a playing style thing as opposed to for those who come back at me and be like the goat what um, yeah. but there was one goal that he scored I can't remember who it was against but anyway it was for Spurs and he kind of picks the ball up and he's about on the halfway line and he just goes he has his back to a defender and he kind of mm. like controls it and then puts it through the guy's legs mm-hmm. and goes round him dribbles past a few players on the edge of the box, moves right and goes round the keeper and then scores. Yes. And, like, and, then just and the sl- thing is, if you watch that yeah. goal, I was just like, that's Messi against that's Real Madrid in the, mm, the Champions League. Remember. Like, mm, and the thing is that the, the, the reason that I say the Messi stuff pace. is because I think in terms of an English, in terms of an English player, in terms of playing style, I can't think of anyone more like him. Right. You're absolutely right. Because if, if Jimmy Greaves is left footed, you could literally play those alongside each other and people say, wow, look at the similarities there. Yeah. The mm-hmm. close control and the kind of like, the the thing, the I, think, quickness. I think the thing is as well, I think it's like we were saying before about how so many finishes that you see from that time, like players really hit it. And I think the thing that, that um, Jimmy Greaves 
was quite different was that he was a minimalist, actually, especially at that time. I think he mm. and, and the pitches that he was doing it on. Oh my God. And <laughs> he never really you. looked in a hurry and mm. everything was necessity. Like the finishing was always like, it was apps. It's hard it's to precise, explain. And I know that, and precise. I know that obviously when you're talking about legends, there is, it's very easy to kind of stray mm-hmm. to hyperbole. There was no finish that wasn't exactly the finish that was needed that I've seen. Yeah. But there were also these little moments of mischief. Like there was an amazing story where Ron Chopper Harris was really young and I think Greaves was back at, was at Spurs now and they mm. were playing Chelsea. And he's, I think it's in the documentary actually. And he says, um, uh, he says, you know, you're doing really well. You've done really well today for a young lad. And Ron, Ron Harris is like, oh, cool. Thanks, Greaves. And then he's just like, Oh, look up. Have you seen? I think we're going to get some rain, kind of thing. <laughs> Harris looks up, Greaves is gone, gone, and the ball's in the back of the net. <laughs> <laughs> but there's an amazing thing with Tommy Doherty. It was the moment, it was the manager at the time. He said, like, the thing that you never did around Greaves was blink. Hmm. Goes to what right he said, though, right? I mean, hmm. someone that's looking around constantly, yeah. you can't afford yeah. to take your eyes no. off him. He's always looking at everything that's going to happen. So, I, you know, something I think that um, we've all missed the. We've all missed the trick again. I mentioned the great Bobby Moore, um, how we didn't really use his services and what he could have given back to, to English football and, that, and, for, and defenders. Because we're not talking about the quickest defender ever um, in, 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 in Bobby Moore. And, and Jimmy Greaves, in the way he, he, he played as a striker, you could, you could play like that now, mm. easily. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's so, he's so quick. Mm. Up, he's, he, was, he had pace, he's quick, his movement, everything was great about him. And I think, again, I don't really remember too many times where we saw someone like Jimmy Greaves talking about the art of striking. I can't, mem- I can't remember that, that documentary. Anyway. That what a fucking, we've missed, mm-hmm. we've missed something. Because if you look at the way he is, um, like you've, you've compared him to Messi, I've compared him to Emilio Butragueño, the way they play. Um, you look at English players and the way he was and how he played, you know, we... I can't, I don't know who I can compare him to in the way he was, especially how many years ago he was doing what he was doing. And he could probably still, the way he scored the goals, he could probably still be doing that now if, if you had that kind of player with that ability because of the way he scored. He looked like, he looked like an alien. When you look at the goals and the way he was going past people, you know, he looked, it, it, it was different. It was way before his time and the way people way speak about him. The way people speak about him, mm. we know, like we're speaking about Messi, we're, and, and you know, you have to mention Ronaldo as well, otherwise people go fucking crazy. Yeah, but the, um, uh, purely in terms of playing style. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah. In that's terms all, yeah. of playing style, Messi, in another 50 years time, 100 years time, you can get the same player, just like a Jimmy Grease, and pop them into football at that stage, and they'll still do that. Yeah, there are certain players through time who they could rock up in any era. Jesus. There was one amazing clip I saw. I think he was playing for West Ham at the time. And the pitch was literally just mud. There wasn't mm. any grass I on it. I saw it. it. Was that the one that came across from the right? I think so. But everyone else is caked. Everyone's and he's covered in completely mud. Completely clean. Completely clean. <laughs> no one's got near him. And even when they were hugging him to, to, um, to, to, to celebrate yeah. with him, he was kind of like, whoa, he, didn't whoa, cele- whoa. he didn't celebrate, you know. He was just like, he scored, bam, just ran back. Yeah. You never really him. saw him do too many celebrations. You know, he just scored and just ran back. I saw, I didn't see too many of his England goals, but I saw one, which I hadn't seen before recently when they were showing some stuff. And his cross just got blasted from like the right-hand side and he's fucking done this diving header. It's just like, fucking hell. Everything. 
that's what we should tell people as well. He scored in every single day, but I was trying to do it. And then what let me, I think, who let me down? I think, was it? For Burnley. No, Burnley. no, so I scored at Celtic. It was, yeah, it was Burnley. <laughs> Burnley and Wigan couldn't quite get it done. Hey, you ain't made for those cold northern nights, make- man. <laughs> should we, uh, should we, you know, should we, like I say, for, he was a massive influence on me, genuinely. He was the first footballer I, his name I ever heard and I had to pay that respect. And even when I used to see him, I was really quite humbled and he was always really nice and very good. So, you know, hopefully he's rest in peace. All my condolences to his family, to be honest. And I can't think of anyone better to start off the Writers House Wall of Fame. Yeah, man. Mm. Jimmy Greaves, man. And so the North London Derby, right? I'm oh. feeling... I'm feeling a lot better, May. Mayo, I'm feeling don't, a lot better. Sim- don't do simply it. Don't fall for it. Yeah, I, I've, I've, no. You're back. Yes, You're man. Back. <laughs> Love the two club. clean sheets will do to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Like people are constantly going to me. Norwich, Burnley. Yes. Wins are wins. Yes, they were next. They were next in line for us. And if people, if they beat us, people will be going on about it. It's just that all we've done now, we've silenced a few. And the way we've silenced a few is with incremental changes, little changes, what we've made. Ramsdale distribution much better. White and Gabrielle are getting better in respect of the way they're playing together. Gabrielle was a key piece coming back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then Partey coming back. Erdogan and Partey in that kind of like pivot. There's something beautiful about that, man. There's something beautiful about it. Right. And then look at Aubameyang. Everyone's saying all of a sudden, but yes, because we've got a team that's now playing to his strengths and we're not just waiting for it to come from the left with Kieran Tierney. We've got somebody who can get the ball in the midfield and go over the top if he's running. We've got Pepe getting going. Tomiyasu. I don't think anyone's gone past him. That was he's a very shrewd really signing. You know. Very shrewd signing. He's, been, he's, he's been magnificent. So, of course, the two games that we've played are games that you'd like to think that Arsenal playing well should win. And we have. So, going into the North London derby with a Tottenham side that I don't know what we're going to get. We saw a Man City side where they scored, they kind of like shut up shop and defended. We saw them, we saw them against, um, to be honest, recently, when you saw them against Chelsea, I should go straight to the Chelsea game. In fact, no, let me mention Palace. I was going to say. Negative, the negative midfield that he put out against Palace, a game that for me, Tottenham going there, having not lost yet, mm-hmm. you know, they went there with, in the midfield, with Skip, um, Winks and Hoiberg. Harry Kane didn't have a shot or a touch in the box. And then against Chelsea, we saw them against Chelsea. Now he's played Ndombele and he played Delhi. It was, and, and, you know, and Hoiberg. And you're thinking, yeah, that's a much more productive and creative midfield. And yes, Chelsea, in the first half, they were very good against Chelsea. But then, of course, when you can bring on Kante, guys, it's going to change any game, you know? Do you know what's funny though, yeah? This would be the perfect time to place but like the perfect time for North London derby it's like okay both of Why? us have lost Why? both of us for for you for Arsenal both of us have lost to Chelsea mm-hmm. they've lost 3-0 twice in the bounce Harry Kane is still in this sort of early Flux. part of the season he's in that Neo place he's in, the Neo, <laughs> he's on, he's in that Neo station <laughs> literally literally and it's like you know what if we if we can beat them the fans are back they're coming back to the stadium they're happy again it's literally the perfect game it is for a good Arsenal game. to capitalise on the situation. And we've got confidence now, Rai. I can't understand that Rai hasn't got confidence, Mayo. I'm always confident. No, but you know, you're a bit, you're a bit, you're a bit mm, about Arsenal, <laughs> yeah, you know man. why? 
Because I've Why? fucking seen this movie. <laughs> we haven't switched multiverse yet, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we've changed, bro. It's happening. I remember saying it really early on in the season when everyone was losing their mind online mm. about, like, if Arsenal are still doing what they were doing at the time, like against Brentford and whatever, by, like, the end of September with a fully fit squad, then mm. I'd start to be genuinely worried. So many people this season made such a noise about Arsenal's transfer business in the summer. Mm. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing a lot of the time. Like, yeah, but it's easy, to, it's easy to come at Arsenal. It's very it easy. It is very easy to come at Arsenal. But I think for the first time in a number of years, Arsenal had a very, very deliberate, clear transfer policy that I yeah. think was really smart. That's why I couldn't understand Gary Neville. I could- Too busy jibbing those stats on, on Monday Night Football <laughs> to make Ronaldo look the fucking... That's what it is. You can see we're going young and fucking we're doing the long game. We're- You're starting to see them click a little bit and it seems settled mm-hmm. for the first time. Do you remember Arsenal had that run where you were like, I have no idea who's going to start today. Yeah. yeah. And I have no idea what formation we're going to play. And I have no idea what the result's going to be. Now yeah. it's starting... I don't want to, to look right, but it's starting to, you're starting to settle. And I think that's the one thing that Arsenal really needed for a bit was just to settle. Stabilise, man. Calm down. But, but the goalkeeper gives us that. And it's what, it's what Mikel wants. Everybody's playing. Like, we're more solid. Like I say, no one's gone past Tommy Asu yet. I like when Erdegaard's coming back because the goal, what we scored against Norwich, is, it, it was Erdegaard pulling a midfielder towards the ball. So he's going back into that place where he might have got the ball from a sideways pass, sideways pass from Partey. But then Partey just went wham inside to, to Saka. Saka then bam, and, you know, obviously you know, came off his hand a bit, but then that's how we scored. I think the real key to that as well is like the kind of dynamism, the dynamism of Lukonga in there as well as a combination. Yeah. I think Such it's a good very player, similar man. to Partey, isn't he? He's a very, very good player. There are definitely green shoots there from Arsenal. Mm, the cool yeah. thing is that it's at home as well, the derby. And I think that Spurs... They've still got injuries, right? They do. They've still got injuries. You're never too sure. I mean, well, you were originally, but I mean, against Chelsea, I saw Kane playing left wing. I saw some playing up top. Yeah, I saw but he was too right deep. Wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, done, was, they, did you see on the match of the day with Allender? Yeah. He was too deep. I've been doing that analysis yeah. from, from even before the Euros. I always find it so like funny because it's not nothing new that he's doing because he does it for club and country and there's this I think there's always parts of it where it's like okay if he's doing that and he keeps doing it hopefully you get someone that just kind of goes in the opposite direction and just stays in his position but it it you can see it does affect teams sometimes but I think what's even harder for me is it's that Ndombele and Delhi thing because mm. Dele for me he's not a traditional centre midfielder he's not a striker he has to play the two young player of the year seasons we saw for him, he was second striker. Mm. And that, he hasn't mm. been able to recover that form because he's not been at that level or been in that position. So now you're trying to put someone that can't really play in a position in position. Undombele is neat with the football, mm. but I don't see him doing anything that kind of, you know, changes the game. It'll be a nice dribble, mm. but there's no, there's no nutrients to what he's doing. And then you've got Heiberg there, who's actually probably the, the one that's making progressive passes. Then you've got Lesosa, who's, you know, supposed to, when he was, he was, an attacking, yeah. he was an attacking player before, right? And now he's just sort of like, you know, energy. They've, they've got a very disjointed team that's not really firing what it was. 3-0, 1-0 wins, then a 3-0 loss. So they went to neutral and then now mm. a 3-0 loss again. So it's a good time to play them. I, I don't yeah. think they, unless Kane sort of 
decides to say, you know what, I'm putting everything on my back, which he may not do because he's not in that mood anymore. I don't know how they're supposed to trouble you. Mm-hmm. I think with Spurs, there's always the potential for that kind of muscle memory to kick in again. You know, and I think there's nothing better than that for, for, yeah, from their point of view. Yeah, for a North London derby. It's the one thing that you, yeah, get you going again. You know, we have to give Harry Kane a goal. We, we, he's, he's, the, he's the drug bar. He's, he always he's scores the, against us, doesn't it? Well, that's the trouble, right? If he, if he gets the goal and then him and Son go, hey, remember that great stuff we did last season? It was really fun. Should we do, do it again? again. Yeah. <laughs> that's when it's an issue. But apart from that, I mean, Brian Gill is not getting any shine. Lucas Moura's, you know, Bergwijn it's apart from them two there's not much you look around and you go okay mm. you know what that should trouble but again if those <sighs> two are tell, kicking you can tell which one of us ain't all... an Arsenal fan I know, <laughs> I, know. I, know. I don't really see anything here guys this uh, <laughs> no all I see is fear it's fear, <laughs> fear. bro I, like I think that's why I've not been yeah sleeping. but that's what happens right <laughs> that's what 10 happens. days before a North London derby <laughs> Is, the moon, is it a full moon or like what's going on? Like, I don't know. I just, what's wrong with me? Just, you like, think what's wrong? Up, I don't know what's wake, wrong with me. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm just, I'm like, I'm really sweating more. That's it's, exactly like, what happens. That's on? why you're like, not sleeping right, right? It makes sense. Right. No. It's exactly what happens. It's exactly what happens. It's like when we used to play in it, you know, you, you literally, you literally couldn't wait for the game, what you're going to play to finish for that. So as you could start actually thinking about that yeah. game, you don't train the same. You, you don't sleep the same. The pressure, the fans, you remember every, so you're talking about fans coming up to you three weeks before this game. Come Tottenham soon, Tottenham sooner. Yep, yep, yep. Tottenham soon, Tottenham soon. So you're thinking about it all the time to the point where you have to think about the next game and you want that next game to come and go so as you can get to it. It's, it's the one game that, apart from England in the, Europe, in, the, in the finals, made me feel like how I feel because like I'm nervous for this game, always nervous for this game because I just do not want to lose to them. I don't want to lose to them, especially when at the moment they're in flux. We don't know what Tottenham, we, we don't know where they are. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know what their manager's going to do. We don't know what their main striker wants to do. We don't know what's happening with Spurs. And so I'm just hoping that the confidence that we've got for these two games, which we should take confidence from going into that game, you know, hopefully we, it, it will see us through. That's, that's what I'm hoping. Right, I watched Schumacher. Obviously, Senna was, Senna's amazing. And then when you see the way that, that overlaps as well, when Michael Schumacher comes, when Senna's there, when Senna, it's, 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 fuck, it's fascinating. It's an unbelievable man. I, I cried, Unbelievable. Man. So, right. I, you know something? It's, you can't help but cry. Yeah. You can't help but cry. I didn't realise the greatness of this man. And what it meant, and like, of course, you know what it means to Ferrari. Mm. Because in it, I can't remember which, which um, executive said, it doesn't matter if you, when you're driving for a Ferrari, if you don't win, you're an idiot. Yeah, as the president <laughs> of Ferrari, yeah. You know what I mean? You're an idiot if you don't win. And Michael Schumacher went there with a car that was just nowhere Awful. near it. Yeah. And he was working on it himself. But he, he himself would go back and work on it and, and do what he, it was just like fucking fascinating. Dude, there was, there was one bit, right, just before you go, where they showed where they were both in, in the car. Um, and you just, you know, where you just see the, uh, the eyes mm. of the helmet. And you could see, um, you could see Senna's face. It was all furrowed and his eyes were all squinted. And, and it went to Michael Schumacher's eyes and he didn't even fucking blink. He had these, these kind of bluey, bluey eyes and they were just like looking straight out there. And I, you know, you know it's, it's such a shame because what happened to Senna 
and that I would have loved to have seen that 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 um them two going at it. Well, I think there's a really interesting parallel. So I'm writing a thing at the moment. It might be up by the time you hear this um up for the ringer about that and this kind of new wave of uh, or new era for Formula One and a kind of like a new generation of fans that are coming through. Because it's really interesting how like Drive to Survive, I think, kick-started that. For, yeah, um, yeah. But I actually think it's a process that started with Senna. What Drive to Survive has done really well is that it's kind of presented something or presented a sport that I think a lot of people see as just not really a sport not, yeah. or not really something that they really give a shit about. Mm-hmm. And it's, they've presented it in a way that actually shows you what the personalities and people are like. And now there's a current wave yeah. of drivers, for example, who are, they're all Gen Z. Uh, it's the character development because I think you get a lot with, you know, within the, the Schumacher doc, when you've got David Kufard and Damien Hill speaking, you can sort of yeah. see their character. But for such, for such a long time, unlike other sports, it was just performance. And then that was it. You didn't really know who these people were. And because of, you know, the entry points of the sport being mm. so limited and feeling mm-hmm. so far away, you didn't feel like it could resonate in any way, shape or form. But yeah, like, I think with the, the, the first thing that came to mind when I was watching Schumacher was how grateful I am to his family for even, you know, sharing some of those anecdotes. Oh my because God, yeah. ever yeah. since the accident, this is someone that growing up, if you watched Formula One, or even if you didn't watch Formula One, this is someone that transcended sport and you knew about mm. him. And when the accident happened, you knew that, oh my gosh, this is one yeah. of the great things happened. But you couldn't really hear or know anything that happened after that, which is the family's wishes and makes sense. Mm-hmm. But this gave a real insight to what it was like for them individually. You've got yeah. his brother who they both raced. It's still Ralph, the, the yeah. only Ralph, two yeah. brothers that have raced on the track, right? Given some information that you've got executives giving information, you've got people that he raced against that he competed with information. And there was just so many parallels with football there. Like for mm-hmm. instance, this, when the Senna crash happened, and how everything mm. happened and how they got the information. I thought to myself, in football, sometimes even when it's not you injured and it's someone else, how does that affect you mentally? How do you look yeah. at something and think, how do yeah. I perform? And It's like Mo, Mo, Mo Salah and yeah. Harvey Elliott. Yeah. yeah. Like the reaction you know, of Mo Salah yeah. is very much like, it reminded me of, it's, it's the same as like when, for example, like you saw like the Roland Ratzenberger crash at, at Imola. I mean, that whole weekend, mm. I rewatched Senna um, last night. Um, after seeing the Schumacher doctor kind of work on this piece, mm. I always think I'm ready and I'm just not. Yeah. That Imola weekend, how relentless it was in terms of like incidents. And the, yes. thing, the thing that I thought was really- And how he was worried, Senna. How, yeah, how worried Senna it. was, yeah. fuck's sake. And I think with Schumacher, there's a really interesting, it, it served as like a really, I actually wrote this in the piece, like it was like a very tragic passing of the torch because yeah. Schumacher was behind him. Senna crashed while Schumacher Fuck was pushing him, him. Yeah. like, and pushing him hard because that, yeah. that, that Benetton car was so good that season. Yes. And that season was the first year that Schumacher won a title. Um, the thing that was really interesting for me about the Schumacher documentary actually was that for those who didn't have access, cause they were so fiercely private and they still mm. remained like very, very private as a family. It was very easy to think that he was just a cold Yes, um, and it, yes, relentless just, kind of like sportsman. And one of the most interesting things for me as someone who grew up watching Formula One, thinking that Schumacher was this cold kind of guy, was actually showing the difference between the driver and the man. 100%. Yeah. And the, or the driver and the human. And I think the, the yeah. way that, for example, he talks about Senna yeah. and Senna's death, and you see it in his eyes, and you see mm. him like talking about all of a sudden noticing at Silverstone 
you could die here. You I could, could die, die here. here. You could die, die here. here. And it was just yeah. like, fuck, we never saw this stuff. You know? You and know you know what the thing is, right, is um, what, we, what we did see, because there was times where you saw when Al, how much he wanted to win. He mm. did bump people. That one, yeah, what was yeah. that? Where's the bump? Remember the bump where it's it was hack, against man. Villeneuve? Yep. Yeah, he was adamant when he went in, when you could see him walking in thinking like, he bumped me, bumped me. Then when he saw it, he realized, he realized. But you know, Mayo, you made a good point about, it's like when you're on the pitch and you know that somebody over there has got a bad injury, for that time when you're waiting around, of course you're, you're, you're focusing, but you kind of slip into a, a moment in the pitch where you're thinking, fucking hell, man, that could be me. I wonder how I deal with that. You look at, and then, like you say as well, right, when you watch him and it was at Imola and he is behind him and he is pushing him. And I remember in the, one of the races before, remember when Senna, came, Senna went and spoke to him mm, yeah. and said, don't fuck up. He said to him, don't fuck up. He's, he's kind of like putting him in his place. I think Michael Schumacher was a little bit vexed about it. But like you, you look at Michael Schumacher and because he's will to win and wanting to win, he's going to push him. He's going to push him. And I think that as, as weird as it might sound, that Senna knew that he had to go hard yeah, because of this. Yeah. There's that amazing quote from uh, Flavio Briatore in it where Briatore, he says, yeah. it's like, you know, when you're the lion, like... Yes, um, yeah. and you see the young yeah. lion coming. And yeah, the thing yeah. is, actually, I think that how seriously Senna took Schumacher was the biggest sign of respect. Because mm. you, you saw it with Prost. Like, I think that the, 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 difference yeah, between, the difference between Prost and Schumacher was that I think that, like, there was a generational gap slightly between Senna and Schumacher where Schum Senna, for example, was like, <clears throat> this is a young guy coming through here who's, he's legit. Yes. What happened with Senna is that like, of course he had this thing with Prost, but then all of a sudden, we've got to understand as well that Michael Schumacher came in just this Benetton car. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just like, and he's just literally pushing arguably one of the greatest drivers that's ever been. Senna had moved to Williams. Yes. That was the year that they'd banned a load of technical stuff technical on stuff. the car. And they, what they're saying that Benetton still had it. they said that Benetton yeah. still kept a couple of bits in there yeah. and, and Williams never protest. Yeah, but right, right. The thing is, is that then if that's the case, we still can't take anything away from how magnificent Michael Schumacher is. Because oh, when no, we went never. to Ferrari, yeah. when we went to Ferrari, that car yeah, was nothing. fucking, that yeah, car nothing. was toilet. He was working on it at night. He was yeah, yeah, working yeah. on it with him. You saw like Eddie Irvine talking about it. And like Eddie Irvine was a good driver. <laughs> I know he was saying this car. And he was just like, fuck <laughs> if I'm driving this car. This car car's shit, bro. <laughs> The thing that's so interesting about Senna and Schumacher is that you have two of the all-time greats. And I think if Senna hadn't have died, this is easily someone who could have won another two, three world titles, I think. With, mm, with yeah. the, if, you look at how they, if you look at how those cars changed over the next few yeah, years, yeah. like... Yeah. And who won the titles? Those two didn't have anything. Yeah, they didn't have anything. They didn't have the money to fund themselves in Formula One, and they came through based on because they were both absolutely rapid. Hamilton exactly the same. Hamilton's the same. His entry point was yeah, but Hamilton's come from the, off of the back of their, what they've done because what remember, they've done. Yeah, Schumacher, exactly. Schumacher and Senna. Because I remember when you watch Senna, and it's so fucking tragic. He was worried about the safety issues of, of, mm. of what was going on. Everything changed. After that race, it, it all changed. Do you know what was poetic about it? It was like the way it was framed in Schumacher anyway, especially with the point we mentioned where um, he's um, Senna went over to Schumacher and he spoke to him. It's yeah. like Michael became, he became him. He literally became him in the years to come. And it's very funny or interesting now because a lot of young fans are watching Formula One and understanding it. 
And they will see that rivalry between Hamilton and Verstappen. But having seen the Schumacher doc, mm. it will put things into perspective now and they'll make them realise, hold on, okay, we have two generational talents here that are going to win and dominate for years to come. And it's justling of the person who's been on top for so long mm. versus the youngster who's coming in and coming wants through. to take mm. that throne. And it's, it's such an interesting it's, dynamic. It's so interesting, Because yeah. in football, you see that, but it's within a team. You can't just all do it by yourself. In Formula mm. One, it's 1v1. You literally see it happening right but, in front of you. As well, Mayo, can I just say as well, with, with Ferrari, the pressure yeah. to have to go to Ferrari with that car, how shit that car was. And then, I remember his first, <laughs> in the, I think in the warm-up lap, the fucking car broke down. Yeah. yeah. When he fir- his first drive, his first drive for him, the warm-up lap, the car broke down with the pressure that you have to have with Ferrari. And then, He's stuck with them and fuck, he just continually won world championships with a, with a, with a shit car. Bear in mind that this is a Ferrari who hadn't won a championship, hadn't had a world champion since 1979, oh, yeah. but Ferrari yeah. are kind of in a similar position now. And it's like, they're hoping that the rule changes will, will kickstart them back. Yeah. yeah. You have to watch 100%. it. You have to watch it. So guys, I think that's it. Go roll. I think, I think it's time go for roll the money Man's ball. Got- <laughs> do you roll it is that what you do do you roll it is that the... no, not ro- no they roll it oh actually before we go do you want to know how I know I'm old go on someone's grandson scored a goal <laughs> in the Premier League 2 on Monday night against Newcastle United my grandson my, oh, my, my you, know, you know something you know when you just said I cannot look at him and not see him just being like this big in my hands and now I went to see him the other day went to watch him training and everything DiMaggio and Honestly, right. He was, he was trying, I was, I, afterwards I said to him, you just, you don't need to go that hard, man. If I'm watching, please don't go. I was just worried. I was so worried about him. He had an unbelievable challenge with the keeper. He was fucking doing stuff. He's crossing the ball. And I was like, just, just, you know, that intensity is good in training. And then he scored the other day against Newcastle and he set one up and he, he texted me. He said, granddad, it's, he never calls me anything else. Granddad, granddad. Um, I scored and I set one up. I said, just keep, just keep fighting, bro. Just keep going. It's beautiful. Cause man. it'll just phone me like in preseason. It said, Granda, Granda, can you just say hello to a couple of guys who just wanted to say hello to you? I said, Jesus Christ, I just told you this is fucking not on, bro. <laughs> then I said, there's, hey, what's happening, man? He says, yeah. Hey, granddad. And then I go out and I say, hey guys, what's happening? Keep working hard. Keep doing your stuff. You know what I mean? But like I said, and then he comes and says, fucking hell, Dimaj, it's embarrassing for me, man. Just keep doing that. They fucking hell, granddad. They love you. Right, you know what I mean? It's really weird. Did you grow up in Manchester? Yeah, yeah. born in Manchester. Good lad. <laughs> guys, guys I'll, I'll speak to you soon. See you soon, man. Take it easy, guys. I love you. Love you too. Okay, guys, that's it, man. Thank you very much to Mayawa Quadri. Thank you very much, Mr. Ryan Hun, Rilo Ren, and all the other AKAs. We'll see you again next week. Hopefully, hopefully Arsenal win the derby. Please, imagine. Okay, let me get back. And then um, we'll go again next week. Um, see you later, guys. <laughs>